everyone, and welcome to today's roundtable on advanced threat protection. My name is Sarah Rogers, and I will be your host for today's session. I'm a business program manager for the IT Showcase team, and I manage our content strategy for the security space. Today we are here with some of our security experts. Let's take a minute for them to introduce themselves. Brian? Hi, my name is Brian Hooper. I'm a senior analyst with the Microsoft Security Monitoring Team. Uh, these days I focus a lot of my time on how do we use the cloud to better monitor threats against the Microsoft Enterprise, and how do we monitor against threats to Microsoft's properties in the cloud? Good morning. Uh, my name is Solomon Kiyakona. I am a principal service uh, engineer manager. My uh, real role is I am the uh, security operations center manager for, for Microsoft. Our, our main mission is to monitor our internal corporate networks. Hi, my name is Jason Rogers. I'm the program management lead for Advanced Threat Protection Office 365. So my job is to keep um, new and evolving threats out of Office 365. So in your mail flow, SharePoint Online, uh, OneDrive for Business teams, my job is to keep uh, all, all uh, new and evolving threats away from your tenants. And my name is Phil Newman. I'm a program manager on Office 365 as well, and I run our threat intelligence program. And that's a new set of tools that we have that really give you a lot of visibility into which threats are coming into your Office 365 tenant. And we also have some tools that really let you get a lot of depth and a lot of insight on which ones are important to understand, as well as have some tools to go and find threats that might have gotten through and remediate them, get rid of them from your users' inboxes or from other places in Office 365. Great. Thank you, everyone. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to tell the audience that at any time you can ask the experts questions by typing it into the Skype window. I'll read your questions for the experts to answer out loud. And in case we run out of time, we're going to uh, stay after the hour and they can um, answer your questions and we'll record them and they'll be added to the on-demand webinar. Stay tuned after the Q&A because the experts will share some key takeaways. Um, with that, let's get started with our first question. So at Microsoft, we have all of these advanced threat protection products. Can you help our audience understand the differences? Sure. Um, so I understand that it is a little confusing having all these products that are advanced threat protection, but you should really think of the advanced threat protection brand as our highest tier of protection across the suite, and that the various advanced threat protection products that we have are very complementary to each other. So for instance, Jason will talk about how Office 365 advanced threat protection is really the best at catching these new and evolving threats that traditional mechanisms just can't catch coming in through email or other places in Office 365. And Windows Defender ATP, on the other hand, is a great tool to catch malware and other threats on endpoints that are traditionally very difficult to catch, but with antivirus engines or other mechanisms. And likewise, now we have Azure Advanced Threat Protection, which has the best protection that we have to protect your assets in Azure. So they're all really complementary. Um, you guys might be able to talk more about which ones you use and how you use them, um, and we can kind of get into that with some of the more specific questions this hour. Yeah, great point, uh, Phil. I, I think one of the most interesting things for me being within Microsoft is the opportunity to, to see these products in action. And every single one of the, the advanced threat protection products we use internally. In fact, um, we've been using them before they were ever called ATP. Uh, and we get to try them out. We get to defend our enterprise using their capabilities. 
And then we have really good interactions with the product group, with uh, Jason and Phil, as well as folks from the Windows side and now the, the Azure ATP side. Um, and as we try them out, we get to provide feedback. We get to tell them what works. More importantly, we get to tell them what doesn't work. And they fix it. Um, or they say, that's interesting. And then they actually leapfrog it. They say, well, what about this capability? What about this piece of data? Would that be interesting? And from our perspective, it's great. It's amazing. Uh, that iterative back and forth process makes the product that much better. And then by the time we're done with all that, it gets released to customers. So the idea is they try it out on us. Um, Microsoft, we like to say we look like every other large enterprise out there. Um, and when it's finally ready for everyone else, hopefully all the bugs have been worked out. The data is as amazing as it can be. The visibility is as amazing as it can be. So I think we've been really successful doing that. Yeah. You know, from working with IT, uh, you know, one of the things that we were able to land on is that threats do come into your organization uh, through, you know, very different attack vectors. So having all three of these solutions is great because we're able to work together behind the scenes to share signal uh, between them. So no matter uh, how a particular threat enters your organization, we're able to detect it and then share that detection uh, across the other ATP products. So what does that mean? That means, like, if I have a file that gets caught by, say, Windows AV, and then it comes in by email, it will never ever get delivered? That's exactly right. So if we, if we find something that you know, came in through your personal email account and it gets detected on the desktop, we'll share that detection with Office and we'll stop it through your corporate email. So similarly, when it comes to phishing threats against the Microsoft tenant, um, what does the SOC use, what did the SOC use prior to Office 365 ATP? And what benefits have come from this? Yeah, a uh, good question. Um, so prior to this, um, we've been building the SOC out for about four years now. Um, so there's been a lot of uh, transformation into where we are today. Uh, lot, lots of heavy lifting, lots of heavy movement. But prior to that, in terms of phishing threats and things, we, our visibility wasn't the best. Wasn't the best. Um, we would basically rely on a lot of folks reporting these things into us. Um, we would get a report of a phishing email with a malicious attachment. We would do analysis. And there was a lot of outreach to other teams to help us mitigate that, that threat as well. Mm -hmm. So um, like in the past, if we did get a, a malicious email with an attachment on it, we would uh, contact the exchange folks, have them, hey, go ahead and search and purge this particular email. We would take that attachment and send it over to our our antivirus folks to have them build a definition around it, those kinds of things. So, but with today, with, with the O365 ATP, it's given us a lot more speed and agility in terms of identifying these things when they come through and also dealing with them right there. All through one console, we can go ahead and remove uh, malicious emails. We can uh, push things through, through um, uh, antivirus and getting those things blocked right away. So it's, it's, it's pushed us to another level where we are moving a lot quicker in terms of email threats with a lot of these, the O365 ATP products. Okay. And that, that's actually a great, a great theme that you just brought up. I and mean, a lot of what we're doing is allowing IT admins to take action themselves uh, a lot faster. So um, on the ATP side, we now have uh, a, a tenant block list for SafeLink. So uh, you can influence the reputation at time of click on a URL in an email that's already been delivered to your organization. And I know, Phil, you're doing a lot of great work with uh, 
incident remediation yeah. that also allows self-service. Yeah, yeah. So, for instance, one of the, the struggles that we've had uh, with remediating threats when they come into the mailbox, like phishing campaigns, historically is just the different number of people that you've had to have get involved yeah. with finding all the emails that are related to it, uh, notifying the users, doing the purges, and even simple things like the permissions that you needed to do that, that traditionally you guys ha haven't really, or the you know the exchange team doesn't really want to give the SOC team exchange admin permissions. So we've thought, thought through some of that stuff to really give tools to the SOC team that really let them go in and do their job in a way that's complementary to the work that the exchange team does and that doesn't really require this proliferation of permissions and introduce risk of changing settings that you wouldn't really want. So so I, I hope that for you we've reduced the it's time to resolution. Yeah, I mean, prior to this it was, I mean, you, it would take days, right, to get things remediated and removed from the mailboxes. It took a while. With this, within hours, we are pretty much well mitigated against the particular threat. So. And Phil, I'm glad you mentioned uh, kind of the the increased uh, awareness of all the different personas. You know, having uh, come from a, a past where I've supported a lot of big enterprises, um, sometimes that can be a challenge, right? With, with certain security products, uh, with certain portals, understanding what big enterprises have in terms of teams and all the different people and the appropriate permissions for one team might not be appropriate for the security monitoring team. Um, it's been pretty great working together to, to help really refine what those permissions should look like. Uh, but more importantly, you talked about kind of um, avoiding the proliferation of, of super high-level permissions within an environment like Exchange Online. It's really important, right? Because if you think about what an administrator of Exchange Online can do, I mean, internally we, we joke, uh, the worst thing in the world our team could do is kill email for Microsoft. Right, that's kind of the, the career-limiting move if, if someone on our team did that. But unfortunately, if we were exchange admins, that's exactly what could happen. If you happen to go in and create a rule, you could quite literally kill email for the company. So uh, that's really a fantastic kind of um, uh, growth of the service. Great. Well, it looks like we have a question from the audience. Uh, within the SOC, what, if any, SIEM tools and third-party threat feeds do you use to complement your intelligence? Good question. That is a great question. Yeah, um, uh, we, we do use a SIEM. Um, and, you know, our, our SIEM is really the where a lot of our data comes together. Um, pretty, pretty common for big enterprises. Uh, and one of, the, one of the interesting kind of journeys we had with with Phil on the Office 365 threat intelligence side was around what role does the SIEM play with cloud services, especially cloud services that generate alerts, um, really kind of interesting alerts. Um, and in the past, when you know, teams like ours were focused kind of traditionally on on-prem data, on-prem solutions, everything flowed into the SIEM. That was kind of the rallying cry. You gotta get it into your SIEM. With the cloud, things are a little bit different. Um, now you're kind of mixing your on-prem data, but you also have these, these big cloud services. And one of the things, one of the reasons why you have a cloud service is because the data sets are massive, right? Way too big for a seam to really take advantage of all that data. Um, so it's an interesting discussion. Uh, it's an interesting discussion about what alerts go into your seam. 
Um, what alerts don't? What do you do about them once you're in the seam? Because the other side of it is, even if you do have the alert in your seam, where are you responding? Are you responding within your seam? Are you responding on-prem? In the case of Office 365 as a cloud service, the answer is none of the above, right? You're actually resp responding, in most cases, back into the cloud service. So does a portal within the cloud service make more sense? Do you keep it there? Do you move it out? Um, I think there's advantages and disadvantages either way, and uh, we're definitely working through that model. Um, but one of the interesting components of all of these ATP technologies across the company is they do share signal behind the scenes. And you know, part of this question is about intelligence. Um, as all these ATP services see threats from a different perspective, as it sees it from email and SharePoint data uh, in the case of Office, as it sees it from the endpoint in the case of Windows, as it sees it from the identity side and the Azure side in the case of Azure ATP, they're all generating intelligence about threats, worldwide intelligence about threats, and they're sharing it. Right? This is cloud service talking to another cloud service, and Microsoft really doing everything it's can, it can to kind of understand the intelligence aspect of these threats. And sharing that signal and baking it back into all the other services so ultimately the customer gets the protection. It's things that even if we wanted to do that in our scene, we couldn't. It's not possible at all. So, um, so Brian, yeah, like when I think of SIEM or when customers ask me about SIEMs, they really think about two things, right? It's one is how can you manage the alerts that the various tools create for you? But the second one is how can you generate your own alerts mm. based off of intersection of our, you know, our, our feeds with their intel? And I think that the question about, um, you know, what feeds do you guys use is actually really relevant. Um, and we've done a lot of studies on using feeds for protection for alerting. But do you want to talk about like which scenarios you find feeds most useful for? Like we found that if you took a list of all of the malicious URLs and you intersected them with email flow, that you would miss a ton of fish. Um, but there's there's other scenarios where it's a lot more valuable. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. So there's uh, the world of threat intelligence is fascinating. Um, it's a world that I've spent many years in. Uh, and there's all different kinds of feeds, as you mentioned, Phil. There's internally derived feeds. So as the security operations center for the company, uh, as you can imagine, we kind of sit on the, the pulse of these attacks. And we see these attacks from a lot of different places, and we generate our own intelligence. I see a URL coming in through an email message. I see another URL that a user clicks on that had nothing to do with email, but I see it on the endpoint. Um, so we have these internally derived indicators or internally derived intelligence feeds. Uh, we also have partners within the company, within Microsoft. So Microsoft has a center solely focused on threat intelligence, the Microsoft Threat Intelligence Center, or Mystic. They generate feeds that, that we work with them closely on. Um, and then we also have third-party feeds, commercial feeds, feeds that have nothing to do with Microsoft, but they come in and those have their own challenges because we never know where they come from necessarily. We never know why this third party thinks they're bad. Um, this generates a very, very complex problem in a complex scenario. And so, Phil, I think, I think your comment is really interesting. 
right? Even if you generate all these feeds, you, you combine all these feeds together, you bring them into one central place, maybe it's your C, maybe it's something else, and then you do all the engineering work to, to say, let me take these feeds, let me map them against all my data sets, my email data, my SharePoint data, my Windows endpoint data, I could still miss stuff. Like, how is that possible, right? I did all this engineering work. I went out and, and potentially paid a bunch of money for commercial feeds. Uh, I, I created these partnerships inside the company. I got it all together. I did the plumbing. I, I mapped it against all my other data feeds. How can I possibly miss anything? Right? And, and you still do. And you still do, right? So what do you do about that? Uh, for us, it means we don't ignore all that, right? There's still value because you still may get some hits. Um, but you know, this webinar is all about advanced threat protection. So what do you do about it? It's really where ATP technology comes into play. So um, Jason, I don't, I don't know if you want to kind of mention a little bit about how ATP helps in these scenarios where maybe intelligence doesn't know about the threat, but Office ATP can help. And that's, <clears throat> that's absolutely right. So the, the more so than ever, particularly over the last, you know, 12 months, we've seen this big shift towards um, more and more highly morphed campaigns. We see uh, more targeted attacks. We see more sophisticated delivery mechanisms, more sophisticated secondary payloads. Um, and what all that means, uh, uh, all, that really what that's about is, is not being detected from a previous detection. So if, uh, if uh, uh, one of these feeds already knows about where you're sending from or what the Trojan is that you're using, We'll have already consumed that. We'll block that at the edge pretty easily. So, in order to get around that, bad actors are um, are you know creating things that where it's the very first time that we've ever seen it. They don't exist in feeds. They don't exist in AB signatures. So we do behavioral analysis. We open up those attachments inside of uh, our sandboxing environment, which uh, we, we built here at Microsoft. Uh, and then we're able to monitor the environment in, instead of the uh, malicious item itself. So it'll go off and download whatever its primary payload is. It'll reach out to command and control servers. Uh, and then we're, we're able to, to watch it do that and see what it actually does to the environment. So even if it's the very first time we've ever seen something, we're still able to block it. That's great. And that's kind of also where the, the scale of the Office 365 service comes into play. Um, we do see a lot of things for the first time, and part of that is, is because these campaigns are, are so aggressively morphed. But part of it is we just see so much of the world's, what I think of as, as the world's interesting mail flow. So, um, so many of the world's enterprises are on Office 365 right now. I think we, we scan something like 400 billion emails every month. Uh, and we detonate over a billion attachments every month. Uh, so, so we really are able to see these these first-time threats for the first time, just because of the scale of our service. And, and like we've talked about, we leverage what we find in any part of the advanced threat protection stack for everybody in Office 365. Yeah, and, and from the SOC perspective, that's I think we're talking more about you know the known threats versus the unknown threats. There's a lot of that going on with from the known side. We have optics on that from the SOC when we have detection capabilities in to look for the specific things, but there's always that unknown piece. And the, the Office 3 ATP piece really helps us to kind of give us a good idea of what else is out there. We don't we don't quite know yet until we start seeing it. It's moving us more from a, a really a more of a reactive state to being a little bit more proactive around phishing email, which is 
you know, a huge entry vector for a lot of threats today. So. Okay. Well, I have another question here related to phishing. Um, there are a lot of tools to help understand and remediate email attacks, but can I search for emails by URL? I'm seeing a lot of phishing come up. Yeah, this is a... This is a question that we get a lot from customers. So we, you know, the way that we've structured our protection system is that we do the best that we can to find things. And then if something gets missed, but we can detect it after the fact, then we'll go in kind of after the fact and remove it from email and alert on it. Um, but oftentimes, customers will find things before we do. So Jason mentioned that we have um, the, the ability to just block clicks with a URL click block list. Um, oftentimes, customers will come to me, though, and say, how big was this phishing campaign? Who else in my organization got it? Did it go to executives? Did it go to traders? How do I understand what the uh, victimology is so I can get a better idea of, of what's going on? So um, one thing that's just coming out that we've just started testing with the Microsoft team is to really make URL search uh, kind of a primary thing when it comes to investigating at least email threats, given that they're so common these days. And you know, we thought about like breaking it up by the whole URL or just the domain or the domain in the path so you can really look at a few samples in a campaign and really figure out what is that signature for that campaign. So we've got some of that and then it plugs right into our remediation. So you know, you can go block the link but then you definitely want to get it out of the inboxes of your executives because they'll be calling you saying why is this phish email in my inbox. <laughs> um, so that, that's some, some of the tools that are kind of um, part of the threat intelligence suite that really works really well with ATP uh, to help get that done. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, um, you know, Phil was talking about the, the capability to really search across, uh, and I, I believe it's not just email, I, I think part of this will also uh, expand into other Office 365 services, so if I need to understand if a document maybe had a malicious link in it, if I need to understand if uh, any email across my enterprise had a malicious link, I can now do that. You know, what's most interesting to me is because we've been doing this a while, we can see the evolution of some of the capabilities, right? And in the past, uh, there was some ability to do this type of search um, through content search, through Security and Protection Center. Uh, it it kind of worked if you were an admin, but going back to the persona topic, it wasn't so great on our side. You know, for, for me and Solomon, uh, our team sees threats all the time, and we need to be able to get answers to our questions really fast. Um, potentially much faster than some of these legacy tools can offer. And so when, when Phil talks about kind of the ability to go in and, and search for a URL, part of a URL, a domain, the most amazing thing to me is that that answer comes back super fast. Right, uh, or at least that's the idea. And now our team can. What do you mean, or at least can, that's the idea? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting on it, Phil. Um, but we get the answer, right? And the reason that's important is if there's a campaign, a phishing campaign, an email campaign, oftentimes those campaigns last a couple hours. And if our team kind of gets an idea that that campaign is going on right now, maybe it's in the second hour of that campaign, we might have an hour to be able to actually do something preventative about that campaign. But it means we have to get answers to our questions really fast, right? And one of the most common questions we have, there was a link in an email. I know it was there because I can see people clicking on it. I can see some of the evidence in Windows Defender ATP on the endpoint, 
but I know it came through email and I know it's active right now. I really need those details. I need to know who else got that email. I need to know what are the details of the email so I can go out and block certain aspects of it, both in Office 365 as those emails are coming in because we're in the middle of the phishing campaign, as well as some of our other protective technology on our network. Um, so uh, I can absolutely echo the importance of features like this, uh, especially for, for teams like ours that are protecting large enterprises. Great. Well, it looks like we have another question from our audience. So for a company with lots of proprietary information, how secure would ATP be if information about files on the network need to be sent back to Microsoft and analyzed? Are copies of these files kept on the Microsoft servers? Good question. So a ATP, at least um, Office 365 ATP, works on um, really on assets that are already in the cloud. So it's uh, emails as they're being delivered, we're stripping off the attachments and we're sending them to, to um, our sandboxes. Uh, you know, we're pulling things from uh, SharePoint Online, you know, OneDrive, Teams, those are all backed by the same technology, SharePoint Online. Uh, so, so these files are already within the Microsoft compliance boundary and they never leave the Microsoft compliance boundary. So if you're a, um, you know, a, a customer who is in Europe, your information stays in Europe within your compliance boundary. Our detonation chambers are, are co-located there. Um, so, so really there is no exposure outside um, of, of kind of the existing uh, compliance blast radius that you've already got. Okay. Anyone else? All right. Um, another question has come through. Um, I don't think we've talked a lot about the antivirus. Scanning. So, how is advanced threat protection different than our normal antivirus scanning? Uh, well, like I was talking about earlier, the the you know it, all traditional uh, antivirus engines really uh, rely on an analyst having seen that threat or, or some sort of automation having already seen that threat. They generate uh, signature files. Those signature files get downloaded to either. Um, you know, uh, your endpoint, or, or in the case of uh, AV and a security email gateway, it gets downloaded to all those servers. Uh, and then at that point, they're very good at detecting and, and blocking those threats. But there's, there's time, and like we said, the, those campaigns are getting shorter and shorter and faster and faster. So, uh, you know, really by the time uh, a signature shows up that can block a new threat, a lot of times that campaign is already long gone. So, uh, you know, we do um, behavioral analysis in the case of, of safe attachments um, to, to really be able to detect those brand new threats, uh, even if we've never seen them before. No one's ever seen them before. So how long does it take for safe attachments to scan email? So you, you, we do need to, to kind of let the threat evolve a little bit. So when we open up uh, a file or an attachment inside of our sandbox, we need to wait uh, to see what it's going to do to the environment, if it's going to drop any additional files, uh, if it's going to reach out to another server and download some secondary content. So it does take more time than a traditional AV scan would. We've done a lot of work over the last six months uh, to try to, to really reduce um, those latencies. And right now we've got, for a, uh, in, in the case of email, for an email that goes through uh, our sandbox, uh, our average delivery time is, is less than one minute right now. And in fact, 99% of those mails go through in less than three minutes. 
We also have introduced features uh, to help the, the end user deal with, uh, with the latency. So we've got dynamic email delivery where they can get the, the body of the email along with a preview of the attachment immediately. So you can you know, continue to be productive while we do the scan. And then if you have a hosted mailbox with Office 365, we'll automatically reattach the real attachment once the scan's complete. Kind of coming back to the start of the question, though, I think that uh, you guys could probably even answer the same question from the Windows Defender ATP side of like, how is it different than just normal AV and what kinds of alerts or intel do you guys get from that that you wouldn't otherwise have? Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, because I think one of the true advantages to using a cloud service like this is you get broad visibility across your entire enterprise. And so uh, signatures may do a great job if you see that threat on one system, right? And then potentially you see that threat on five other systems and the signature can say, um, hey, I see this threat if I know about it and I see it in five places. I think one of the advantages that we find on our endpoints with Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection is because it has broad visibility across our entire enterprise, it can understand threats that the world has never seen before, one, because it's looking at behavior, but two, because of that broad visibility, it can understand if those threats are rare or normal for your enterprise. And I always like to tell the story within Microsoft we use a lot of PowerShell. Probably doesn't come as a surprise to anyone. A lot of that PowerShell is what we call background IT noise, right? We use PowerShell for different reasons to go and query endpoints and understand what's going on on that endpoint. We may use PowerShell to push out some policy against endpoints. Unfortunately, bad guys use PowerShell too. Um, it's actually one of the increasing trends we're seeing in terms of the threat landscape is how much malicious use of PowerShell is kind of uh, flowing out there in the wild. So one of the interesting components with Windows Defender Advanced Threat Protection is it can actually look at an individual endpoint and see PowerShell usage. And it might look a little bit odd on that endpoint, but when you take into account the entire enterprise, what looks weird on one endpoint suddenly becomes not so abnormal when it sees it on a huge percentage of your systems. So when that service generates alerts, because of that kind of broad knowledge, it can actually determine, is this unique and rare and we're pretty darn sure it's malicious, or is it, well, not quite so rare and suddenly it just looks a whole lot more like background IT noise so we're going to bubble down the risk potentially to the point where it's not even an alert anymore. It doesn't mean our team doesn't get visibility into these behavioral events. We still do. It's just, is it a deep red alert that, that you need to look at right now? Or is it most likely background IT processing? Yeah, and, and just to add a little bit more on that. So, for, I mean, from the SOC perspective, there's some key things that we look at in these products as we're kind of investigating an alert. Um, so for like, with Windows Defender ATP, um, that gives you very rich context on what happened. So not just the alerting or just the event itself, but a lot of rich context around it to help you kind of investigate and dig deeper into that. Um, in the past, we didn't quite have that. It was very, things were fragmented. We would have maybe a hit here, and you're gonna draw the correlation between that. But not with Windows Defender ATP, you have that rich con con contextual information on from the endpoint itself. Um, and those things are always helpful in terms of 
better investigation, but not only that, I mean, we've kind of, the, the pivoting over, you can drill down into it and you can pivot over to things like O365 um, ATP as well. So, for instance, if there's a malware attack in a specific system, we're seeing it communicate with a bad C2 through you, we can search for that URL within Windows Defender ATP and see not just that host, but other hosts that are also communicating with that specific thing. As you kind of drill in through that context and dig deeper, you start to see, oh, maybe this is coming from email. And you have a link to go right back to O365 ATP to see, oh, okay, this, the, this person downloaded a, a Word-enabled macro document that had a malware in it, and you see mm -hmm. it through ATP, and it's, it kind of ties everything together. It gives you the full story. And what we're looking for from a SOC perspective is everything's, you know, what happened before, what happened during, and what happened after the threat. And both of these products really, working hand in hand, they give us that full view of the entire threat from beginning to end, created a great so. That's great, that's helpful. Uh, looks like we have another question from our audience. So around the um, ATP products, how do, how do our products compare with maybe other third-party products? Can that's a great question. Um, so I think, you know, that there, there are, uh, a lot of different sandboxing options that all have slightly different features uh, out there on the market. Um, but there are some things that, that Microsoft really uh, is uniquely positioned um, to do. Because we are uh, already so tightly integrated with Exchange Online Protection that if you have an Office 365 mailbox is already filtering your mail, turning on ATP is really just as simple as flipping on another filter within Exchange Online Protection. So. And we've actually gotten phone calls from panicked CISOs who are in the middle of uh, a ransomware attack, and we're able to flip on ATP literally within minutes. It's, it's, uh, it's seven mouse clicks or something, and, and you've, you're protecting your entire organization instantaneously. So that means cost of ownership is super low. Uh, we also have, I, I, I believe, I really firmly believe this, uh, the best effectiveness out there, and that's because of those 400 billion messages that we see, because we leverage uh, the Mystic team and the, the red teams here at Microsoft that um, protect Microsoft execs, uh, we built our own sandbox. So um, we have complete end-to-end -end control uh, of our sandbox, which makes us, uh, I think, slightly better at detecting evasion techniques within the sandboxes. Because we have access to the Windows team and the Windows servers teams, we were able to um, you know, make changes in Windows 2016 so we could bring up uh, hypervisors uh, very quickly and tear them down very quickly. Uh, so that means that we have uh, the best latency uh, in the business uh, to do a, a full detonation. So I think when you combine you know, le leveraging uh, all the signals we have within Office 365, leveraging the signals from these other Microsoft products, our tighter integration into not only uh, you know the kind of the back end of Office 365, but also uh, Office clients. So we've got SafeLinks natively integrated into uh, Office 2016 Pro Plus products. So Word, PowerPoint, Excel. If you click on a link and you're a SafeLinks customer, we're going to protect that click just like we would a wrapped link in an email. Uh, you know, we're in the process of uh, rolling out really tight integration with our mail products. So when you hover on those links, you get a, a, an enhanced kind of native uh, link hovering experience. So the education uh, 
campaigns that that you know kind of fishy style campaigns that uh, IT admins have you know the value of that isn't lost. Um, so I think that's really where the the, the advantage um, comes in for a Microsoft product versus uh, some of those third third party products. How do you know your effectiveness is better? <laughs> that's a, that's actually a great a great question, Phil. Um, we do have customers who uh, have third-party products, uh, and those third-party products typically sit in front of, of us. So we see everything that comes through, and I can tell you everything that we catch uh, for those tenants that's getting missed by those other third-party products. We also look at, um, at what we catch, too, and what we miss. So we do what we call uh, a rescan analysis after we do detonations for a period of time. Like I said, those AV engines are really good uh, at catching malware that's a couple of days old. So um, we analyze what we missed too. We're able to compare uh, our effectiveness versus the effectiveness of our competitors. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think one thing that's really fascinating too, Jason, you talked about um, kind of the advantages of, of owning the end-to-end right email coming in into this big service that is office 365 in the cloud there's actually a lot of layers within that service and then being delivered to potentially a windows endpoint with outlook on it or a mobile device with the outlook mobile app or people using uh, oa on in a web browser for example um, because you do have this end-to-end -end, it really allows you to uh, do some interesting actions, right? What happens if we, hey, we think this email is a little bit suspicious on one of the outer rings of protection, but it's maybe not bad enough to block, right? So maybe we'll deliver it to the junk mail folder, or maybe we'll just keep an eye on it, and then it comes into an inner ring. Well, what does it do? What's the behavior of it? What's the behavior of the URL? Oh, because we have a sandbox, what happens if we now take that URL and point our sandbox at that URL. Well, that's kind of interesting, right? Now I'm looking at what the URL points to, not even actually detonating an attachment because it didn't have an attachment. But I own the end-to-end, -end, so I can take really interesting, uh, impactful actions that really if you didn't own the ecosystem, you can't do at all, right? If you're just one bump in the email wire, so to speak, it's really hard to take an action beforehand or after. All you have is one point in time where you can make a decision point. And within the, the Security Operations Center, within the SOC, it just makes our job that much easier, right? Because threats can come in, and no longer do you just have one product telling you one decision point. You now have threats that can take a variety of different paths, which ultimately end up protecting the end user. And if the end user is protected, the enterprise is protected, and we don't have to go and dig deep on those threats. So uh, it, it's fascinating to me. Um, it, it, it takes a little bit to maybe understand all those different rings and all the different protective technologies uh, because, you know, on our side, we like to really kind of dig deep into where the different decision points are being made uh, and what that means in terms of the threat. But honestly, at the end of the day, it's more like breathing a sigh of relief because you know one of those protective mechanisms stopped a huge chunk of that campaign or stopped that threat. And then it's just like, oh, well, maybe we need to pull out an indicator and do some other indicator matching on some of our other systems just to double check that threat didn't come in another way, as opposed to the past where it was 
whoa, so many emails got in, so many people clicked on the link, what do I do about it? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I mean, the best you mentioned, just a sigh of relief at the end of the day. The best feeling is when you start getting hit up by, by execs and other folks asking, hey, this is happening, what's going on with it? And through these products, we can find out right away, exactly. Like in the past before, it's been very, like, oh, all of these people got the message, all of these folks clicked on it, all of these folks are beaconing up. <laughs> but now with kind of more upfront information, we can actually, oh, ATP's already got it. They've already blocked it. They've already stopped it. There's a minimum amount of people who actually clicked the link and went out there. But there's a very low risk and low chance that they actually gave up their creds and those kinds of things. So really good. You feel a lot better when you see that story come together. As people are asking, you can answer those questions now as they come in. So very helpful. Great. Uh, we have another similar question being asked from our audience. So with um, ATP analysis, is it available on free email accounts such as Hotmail or Live.com um, in the context of users accessing personal email on work computers? Uh, so we don't, we don't offer uh, safe attachments or safe links um, specifically for Hotmail and, and Live.com. Right now we do have, uh, so on the back end, those services, uh, essentially use the same stack that our enterprise services use. So anything that we learn through, uh, through ATP on the enterprise side, we also apply to the consumer side. So uh, if, we, if we catch a file in our detonation chamber, we're going to not only block that for the rest of Office 365, but also for Hotmail, Live.com, Outlook.com. But this is an interesting theme, though, that was just coming up. Uh, so yesterday, actually, I brought some of the folks from our engineering team over to the SOC to kind of sit down and watch what they were doing. We actually saw one of these that um, we saw some PDF that was, you know, some, some you know, random PDF scheme. And then we immediately went and looked, okay, this, did this come in through Office? Because it looked like, it looked like and smelled like a phishing attack. And we found that it was actually the, uh, the built-in Windows 10 mail client that had dropped it on disk, and Windows Defender ATP had caught it. So even though, um, like, and, and frankly, we can't really control if it's Hotmail or Live, right? We have the best protection if customers are using Hotmail or Live.com. But at the end of the day, we all know which other email services are, are you know, employees at Microsoft are using. Um, but I found it really interesting that, you know, there's this alert that came up from some email from somewhere else and was still caught by Windows Defender ATP, which is just what we were just talking about here, that the various layers are really complementary to each other and that, um, you know, this isn't really shadow IT, I suppose, it's personal email, but it's, it's a reality, right? And that the, the tools that we have today work well with that reality to keep the enterprise safe. That's a great point. That was an interesting case, um, mainly because I think back to when I joined the team three years ago, and really before we had any of these ATP technologies. Uh, and I think back to some of the cases I worked when I first joined the team, where maybe you would see an AV alert on the machine a couple days later, right? Within that couple days, a lot of badness happens. Um, bad email came in, user clicked on it, bad file came down to the system, got executed, probably pulled down some other bad files, and then by the time AV is able to catch up with this threat, it's been there for a couple days. Scary, scary proposition. Um, and compare that to the situation yesterday, right, where within, I don't know, five minutes, yeah, 10 minutes, minutes 
we see the alert within Windows Defender ATP the moment the bad attachment touches disk. And when we dig into it, our very first question, how did it get there, right? This does look pretty bad, looks like a, a true positive detection. How did it get there? And right away, we're able to pivot back into Office 365 and in ATP and Threat Intelligence to answer that question. Well, didn't come through a corporate email. And that answer came back in, what, 15 seconds. Right, so compare that to three years ago where maybe a couple days later we have an idea that something bad on the endpoint is going on to yesterday where we saw the alert the moment the bad file touched disk. Uh, within the next minute we knew it didn't come through corporate email, but it did come through email, so now we know it's personal email and we can take immediate action. Really, really kind of stark contrast. And that's, a, I think, yeah, you, you know, you, you kind of brought up the point of um, what happens in a potential compromise, what happens with lateral movement afterwards. I think that's um, both on the TI side and on the ATP side, since we're able to see internal mail flow as well as mail coming in from the outside, when you do have those kinds of compromise events, we're kind of uniquely positioned to be able to shut that down um, pretty quickly. So. All right, well, similarly in the SOC, since we're talking about findings, um, what was maybe some, one of the most significant findings using Defender ATP? Mm. Okay, uh, yeah, so I would say there's been, uh, and I think everybody knows this, but a lot of supply chain hacks. The Windows Defender ATP has given us the ability to see these things. First off, really quickly, um, we would see, Brian was talking about the PowerShell pieces that we saw within Windows Defender ATP. Uh, one of the big finds a while back was uh, there was a text editor, ed editor um, hack that folks were using, and that particular thing was on some of our systems. There was some PowerShell activity going on there, but we saw all of that through Windows Defender ATP, and it turned out to be a pretty big hack um, across a lot of folks, but um, those, are one of, those are one of the more significant finds. We're starting to see a lot of that more with supply chain hacks and those kinds of things. There's from, uh, I would say in the past, we would find out about it through other means, right? You'd have folks calling, you would see threat intelligence reporting on it, but it would be too late. A couple of days later, or a week later, sometimes, or 180 days later, or whatever. But, but with the uh, with Windows Defender ATP, we've had some pretty significant ones, such as uh, those supply chain ones are pretty quickly. We're finding those really well. So. Interesting. Okay, looks like we have another question about attack trends, and how does Microsoft technology help against those trends? Great question. Uh, Solomon nailed what I would call the biggest trend of 2017. Right, you could say it's kind of the, the reintroduction of worming within Microsoft systems. We saw that with WannaCry and NotPetya. Um, but I think much, much more fascinating to me uh, is the trend Solomon mentioned, right? It's the trend against the digital supply chain. So in the past, uh, and, and I've been in the world of information security for over 10 years, and you see uh, kind of ebbs and flows of what bad guys try to do to infiltrate your network. Um, I remember years and years ago as a network administrator reading about counterfeit network hardware. So that was a supply chain risk, but a different kind of supply chain risk. It turns out this counterfeit, this network hardware was being built uh, in certain parts of the world and they were seeing evidence of the hardware behaving and looking exactly like it should, except for one little part where it was malicious code inserted into the hardware, which caused it to reach back to uh, 
potential adversaries. Supply chain attack, but that was physical supply chain. Right? What's interesting about, you know, I think 2017 will go down as the year of the, the digital supply chain uh, compromise. What's more interesting is this has made mass news. Right? We, we see some of, the, some of the attacks that Salman mentioned against uh, text editor software. Um, we saw some of the attacks in NotPetya where they again compromised the update mechanism of a piece of software. These are significant. Uh, and it's, you know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of some of the other attacks where bad guys maybe had a target. Um, right? I, I want to get into a network but it's so hard to breach the perimeter of that network. Uh, email technology is making it you know, a lot harder to get targeted emails in, to get users to click on it. So what do I do? Well, I can go after who that large enterprise uses. So we saw evidence in the past where maybe uh, an adversary might go after uh, an HVAC supplier. Compromise that supplier, that supplier had a link back into the enterprise and get in that way. That was kind of a unique case. But this year, it's different, right? They find a piece of software that's prevalent either worldwide or within a, a chunk of their target set, and they compromise the update mechanism of that piece of software. And the most fascinating part to me is what's the guidance from from software companies, what's the guidance from IT departments? How do I protect against the latest threats? Patch, patch, keep them updated. <laughs> How do you make sure Windows is up to date? Patch it. How do you make sure your third party software is up to date? Patch it. That's what makes this so fascinating to me because the guidance is now to make sure you're up to date on all these things and to patch it, and yet the bad guys take advantage of that. So, you know, to bring it back to what we've been talking about on this panel, what do you do if you're a big enterprise to defend against this? You know, Solomon mentioned how our team was able to get visibility into these threats using Windows Defender ATP. And the more interesting thing, too, is not only is Defender ATP able to tell us about it, but, uh, you know, to, to what I was talking about before, we also immediately knew that where the threat came from. Was it an email threat? No, because we had visibility into Office 365 and TI and ATP. Uh, and then once you dig in further, you can actually see, oh, wait a minute, this did come from the traditional update mechanisms. This is something we need to take a much closer look at. That's great. Um, anyone want to add anything to that? Or? No, I think that was a good summary. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, it looks like we are about out of time, um, but I wanted our experts to be able to give some key takeaways. But... I want to thank everyone. That was great. Um, so for key takeaways, let's start with... Sure. So um, I kind of introduced, in my introduction, I was saying that I work on the set of tools that we have for working on remediation and understanding um, the threat landscape and what threats are unique to your organization, that kind of thing. And uh, when I talk to customers, the response that I usually get is, well, you guys have all this. I've been wanting this all along, and I've never even known that you had it. So I think the biggest takeaway is to go in there um, and, and try it out and really see how the updates that we have in our tools can actually make your processes more effective so that you can do some of the stuff that Brian was talking about, like turn around within a few minutes, understand the origin and the reach and the scope of, of some threats that there's a lot of stuff that's come into the product since March that, uh, that a lot of customers don't really know about yet that has a lot of power. So that's my takeaway. Thanks, Bill. 
<clears throat> so I think uh, my, my takeaway is is really you know we, we've been hearing a lot today about how uh, attacks are, are getting a lot more sophisticated. So you know, it, it, and it's it's maybe even not even an attack that's that's targeted to you. So a, a lot of what we've seen, um, you know, this spring, these nation state uh, level attacks that are getting out into the wild. Um, so the, the individual payloads that, that we're, you're getting hit with are getting a lot more sophisticated. The campaigns themselves are getting a lot more sophisticated. Um, you really need some kind of solution that's going to catch things that are, are you know, absolutely new and evolving. And, and to follow up on what Phil was saying, uh, you know, please give us a try. Uh, we always encourage you to try um, our products out on, on your real mail flow. Um, and, and try it out on as many seats as, uh, as, as you feel comfortable doing so you can, can see how uh, our products really work uh, in the real world on your tenant. Cool. Yeah. Um, so as far as for me, uh, for key takeaways, I think as a, as a SOC manager, um, it's really, if, if you're a SOC manager out there, you want to support your analysts. You want to give them the tools and the capabilities to to be able to detect and investigate and remediate some of the sophisticated threats that are coming through today. Uh, one of the things that are, are very important for us is uh, what we call precision, speed, and efficiency. So in terms of alerting, so with Windows Defender ATP, for instance, we have precision and alerting there. So the alerts that come out of that are very high fidelity. They mean something. They, they got the analyst to go look at it. It's, it's, very, it's required that we look into these things because they are bad. Um, that's the they have precision and alerting in that fact. The speed to triage piece was what I was talking about a little bit earlier was the contextual alerting that we get back from these tools as well. So to allow the analysts to dig in deeper and investigate these pieces through through triage and make sure that they're um, that this is accurate, that this is an actual bad thing versus this is something that's okay, it's not that bad, we can move on, that kind of thing. And from the, the third piece of that is the efficiency and response. Both of these products offer us the ability to remediate these threats as we see them on the fly. Um, in the past, like I said earlier, it was we had to deal with a lot of teams and a lot of permissions to get things remediated. Now it's coming to a point where everything's converging and we're able to actually take care of these things on our own. So I think from my, my key, take, key takeaway, the, what we call PSC, precision, speed, and efficiency, if that's something you're looking for, the, these products have helped us immensely to get to that point to where um, we're able to keep up with the sophisticated adversary and the threats that are out there today. So, no trial. Brian? That's great. My, my biggest takeaway, uh, and I will say Microsoft's environment is massive. Um, our team definitely has our work cut out for us. These are what I call cloud scale problems. Our user count is massive. Our endpoint count is massive. Our mailbox count is massive. Um, much, much bigger than we could hopefully solve using kind of traditional on-prem solutions. So I call these cloud-scale problems. How does a team like ours respond to cloud-scale problems? My firm belief is cloud-scale solutions. It's really the only way that, that we can get ahead of these threats, that we can gain the visibility that Solomon talked about, uh, that we can gain some of the protective and response capabilities that were described as well. So when I think to the future, when I think about our team's journey, the biggest takeaway I can offer is, please, if, if you are facing threats like these, if you are part of a large enterprise or even a medium uh, or small enterprise, 
and you're kind of struggling with some of these threats, or you're struggling with visibility, or you're struggling with how do I, how do I stay one step ahead, I implore you, you have to look at technologies like this. Whether it's ours, or even whether it's someone else's, but you really need to get this kind of visibility and to have capabilities like this because it's only getting more sophisticated. The threat landscape is morphing faster than, than kind of traditional technologies can keep up with. So when I think about our team's ability to stay ahead of these threats, when I think about our team's ability to, to respond and to get detective capabilities, the ATP suite is how we've been able to do it. Okay, and I think maybe another common thread was to remember to patch your systems. <laughs> <laughs> Select. <Yes. laughs> uh, all right, well, I'd like to take a minute and thank our experts here for taking time out of their day to talk with us and talk to you and answer your questions. Um, and thank you also for joining us today. The on-demand video will be available on Microsoft.com slash IT Showcase, and that will be available soon. You can also find our other IT Showcase content like business case studies, videos, um, technical case studies will also be available on IT Showcase. So please join us for future webinars, and thank you again.